Well, okay. here we go. So welcome to a live, uh, a line with Lina. It feels like a live with Lina because it's taking us a little while to um, come alive here. But anyways, today I'm really excited because I have a wonderful guest that I think you guys are all going to enjoy uh, listening to. And his name is Ron Rates, and he is a dear friend of mine. And Ron and I met a couple of years back, I want to say almost five years ago, when we attended uh, a workshop that was about A Course in Miracles. There was a teacher there, and I don't even remember his name. Ron, you might remember his name. David Hoffmeister. David Hoffmeister, exactly. And anyways, when when we were able to uh, connect, we were able to realize that, that we had quite a few things in common, especially that we lived in the same general area in the suburbs of Atlanta in East Cobb. We also had children who had grown up in the Christian uh, belief system. We both, Ron, his wife, myself, and uh, my um, former husband also had been Christians. So there were a lot of things that we had in common. And as we began to, to connect a lot more, we began to share our own spiritual uh, awakening experiences. And I just thought that it, this would be a fun conversation for us to have with you today. So welcome, Ron. Thank you so much for being part of this program. And the cool thing about this Align with Lina is I love for people who are watching to be able to have an experience to to get basically what what does awakening mean what how does it happen for different people because the whole purpose of awakening is for us to align with the truth of who we are so thank you for being part of this conversation and helping more people kind of connect so well, i guess i'm just going to hold this we weren't expecting to do this on the phone <laughs> my phone is down to about 13 percent juice and this is the only place i can put it to charge at the same time so Oh, no worries. You know, this sorry, is sorry perfect. Video. I'm trying to see if I can position things any better here. No worries. You know, it is what it is. We we are absolutely, um, we have to deal with technology. And that's one of the things of moving on the spiritual journey is we improvise, we go with a flow and things just are what they are. And I'm so glad we've got someone who is watching us. So we'd love to hear from you if you are hearing us okay. Because it's always when we have some technical difficulties on the studio side, it's always nice to hear from others if um, they can hear us. But anyways, I didn't get a reply. So, Ron, thank you for being here with me. My pleasure. Thanks. No Absolutely. No matter what, this is going to be recorded, so it'll be available later on. Okay. And if we don't have any people who connect right now, they'll connect later or they'll see it. Uh, another day. But so tell me when you and I met, we met at that David Hoffmeister event and it was on A Course in Miracles. What what brought you to A Course in Miracles? Well, that's a, that's a, an interesting question. So um, I'd always been part of traditional Christianity. I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist uh, and actually studied for a year in in college uh, to be a minister. I was actually an associate minister for one summer um, down in South Georgia and just found there were some disconnects uh, and uh, didn't want to pursue that path any further. Um, always believed in God. Um, finished my degree, came to work in Atlanta, went to church from time to time, got married. And uh, typically, as it so happens, when you have children, you start getting plugged back into your 
to your roots. So um, we, while we were married at the Presbyterian Church, we joined the local Methodist Church. Got actively involved in the kids' programs, and actually my wife and I helped set up children's ministries, and I was actually school board chair. We have a private Christian school there, about 500 kids. Uh, so very, very deeply involved. And I'd always been kind of a, on a spiritual path, but I would say it was in a very confined definition of 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 religion. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really search so much for myself, although I thought I did. Um, I had just only allowed myself to a certain part of the library. And <laughs> the, the you know the rest of the uh, the little tiny room that I was in that had a few books, when uh, the door finally opened, it was like, oh my God, hmm. there's a lot more out here that uh, that I was not either aware of or I wasn't open to being aware of it uh, at that point in time. I went through a pretty challenging business situation in the uh, between 2008 and 2012. I think the pressure of that and kind of the dark night of the soul opened me up to uh, looking at other alternatives or at least, I'm not sure... There was a little crack, just a little crack, not much. <laughs> and then my wife challenged me one day that she didn't think the Bible, all the Bible was the word of God. So I didn't argue with her. I said, okay, I spent about three months trying to disprove her. Uh, without talking to her about it, I studied and studied and studied and got all the latest information. And the one great thing about what's going on today is we have so much more information available today than what was available 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, And it became clear to me from my investigation, there is no way that somebody um, honestly can say that the Bible as it is today is the word of God. It has been manipulated, not manipulated. It has been gone through the hands of man many times. And it's impossible to know exactly what were Jesus's words and what weren't Jesus's words. So once I came to her and I fessed up to her, I said, okay, you're right. (laughs) You're right. I was wrong. That kind of opened up the door that if everything I'd believed up to that point in time was predicated on this one book and that which generated dozens and dozens and actually several hundred of questions that I couldn't answer, didn't make sense. I said, I can't wait to heaven to get to heaven to answer those questions, get those questions answered. Um, You know, that, maybe things were a little bit different than I thought. And then I had uh, the book uh, Conversations with God from Neil Walsh. Uh, my wife had read and given it to me, and I read that, and I go, okay, that intuitively felt feels correct, feels right. And so I started going from cerebral, religious, confined ideology to inherently trying to, within myself, discern what truth was without knowing that that was specifically what I was trying to do. It just kind of came about that way. That, that's So that's really kind of what started me and opened me to spirituality. Yeah, that is, uh, you know, it, this, this is one of those uh, wonderful conversations because people come to this, to the truth through so many different paths. And for many, we are going to move through Uh, having to make peace with the fact that what we have been taught through a religious path may not necessarily have been all of the truth. Um, It might have contained a lot of inaccuracies. And like you, I came to my spiritual awakening 
through, I had to go through that Christian path. And growing up Catholic, I, of course, was taught about the word of God according to the Bible. Although what's, what's fascinating is I never saw a Bible in my, in my entire uh, growing up years. I mean, it, it just wasn't part of the Catholic upbringing. I don't know if it's like that in the U.S., but I grew up in the Dominican Republic and I never saw a Bible till I came to the U.S. and I was 14 years old. But I definitely had the fear of God in me. I definitely had the belief that I was a sinner, that I was uh, not going to go to heaven no matter how much I tried, even if I accepted Jesus as my savior, even if I believed in you know, the, the Virgin Mary, none of those things were going to cleanse away the dirtiness that I grew up believing was inherent in being a, a human. So I too had to go through and question the Bible. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the books you, you mentioned Neil Donald Walsh's book conversations with God. That was definitely one of the ones that I read that allowed me to begin to feel a connection to God. I began to actually feel a resonance with my, what I felt was true about God, but went against what I knew in my mind, according to what I had been taught. But some of the books that helped me were reading, um, the books by Elaine Pagels, who is a theologian, a theologian, um, couldn't pronounce that word for a second. And she opened my, my eyes to when the Catholic Church was formed, because it was formed 300 and some odd years after Jesus died. And that began to open the door for me to question, well, if this the Catholic Church is formed 300 years after Jesus died, and you know what I had not ever put put together was the connection that that Jesus was a Jew who did not start the Catholic Church, who did not start the Christian movement. He just simply started um, sharing a different conversation, a different perspective of seeing God as a loving God. Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you discovered early on that had you look at uh, religion differently. So anyways, uh, did you hear what I said? I was asking you to give me a little background on some of the things that you discovered on your spiritual or, or on your quest to discover more about the Bible and how you came across um, discovering information that had you change your mind about Christianity as you knew it. Uh, well, I started, I think the biggest thing that helped me, uh, Lina, was adopting a after I was so sure that the Bible was the word of God. Uh, and when that proved not to be true, at least for me, and that's not, listen there, I think that I, I do believe there's many things in there that are. Yes. Uh, and intuitively I sense now what is truth and what isn't truth. So I'm not in any way discounting the value of the, of the Bible. Cause I believe there's, there's one truth and there's many paths to that truth. Uh, and let me thank you for saying that, because I, too, uh, feel the same way that you do. The Bible is, has lots of beautiful things in it. So I would never say that in, as a whole there, that there's um, that it's not true. But thank you for sharing your perspectives. Sure. Um, and so I adopted a philosophy of, look, if I was so wrong about this, I could always be wrong about something else. So why don't I? be open to anything that comes along. doesn't mean I have to believe it. doesn't believe I have to believe much of it. Yeah. It, it could sound so wacky. It's like, eh, I don't know that I can really go there, but I'm, but Hey, I'm open. If I, if someone can show, if I have an experience that shows me differently, 
then okay. Uh, so I didn't shut anything out, and I would say that was the that was probably the most important thing that really was beneficial for me. And because of of now being open, uh, I'd hear about uh, like my wife and a friend of hers went to a Hay House conference. I wasn't interested in going, but afterwards I got some kind of email about a hundred and five discussion download, interview download for $99, some kind of world summit. So I download that, started listening to it. And so I was introduced to the concept of, of, of what, you know, um, I guess everything from near-death experiences, which I've been a little familiar with, but not that much with uh, Nita Morjani uh, and, um, and just many, many other things, whether, was reincarnation or other things that was kind of like, okay, you know, I never really always poo-pooed all that, but <laughs> now based on some of this other evidence, uh, really coming from the physical side of things where people were healed when they were regressed back because they brought up fears that had come about at that point in time, it changed them physically here and now. Um, it wasn't for me to say that wasn't possible or was possible, but throughout these interviews, every once in a while, one of the people being interviewed would say, well, you know, A Course in Miracles says, <laughs> and I was like, A Course in Miracles, never heard of that before. What is that? And enough people said that. I was like, well, I should go and check that out. So um, I did. And uh, it's quite a voluminous uh, thing. So there's a text, there's a workbook, uh, there's a manual for teachers. It's about 13, 1400 pages. I started on it, and as um, with many other people, it's probably the, the, the most purchased book that sits on the bookshelf uh, very quickly, if not right away, uh, and never gets digested or read much. And so I was a little frustrated after the 30th day or so, and then I listened to one more interview, and I think it was um, Gabby Bernstein in New York. Uh, and she goes, hey, Course in Miracles has changed my life. She says, but I had a really hard time getting into it until I read this book called Disappearance of the Universe. <laughs> and so I read that book. And after reading that, I said, OK, kind of opened my eyes a little bit about what about some things and it made the Course in Miracles, at least the workbook, a lot, um, a lot more accessible for me. And after I finished it, I went through it a second year. And it was amazing what opened up that second year. Yeah. I mean, it was really I, I couldn't believe that I had missed all this stuff the first time I read it. I was like, did I really read this before? Because uh, I just take hours and hours on a lesson making notes. It's like, wow. Um, so that was that was very, very, um, that was helpful. And then from that, I got plugged into someone who is, of course, a Miracles teacher and also trainer called Jennifer Hadley. Uh, you know, went to some of your um, different gatherings that you had on ACIM. And... Uh, as with anything else, I believe that whether it's words or they're in the Bible, whether they're in A Course in Miracles, whether they're in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, it doesn't really matter where they are. They're just pointers. It's all there is pointers. So you have to go in the direction of the words. And many times those pointers and the directions you go will allow you to cross certain bridges. When you cross those bridges, there's no reason to go back across the bridge to the other side. And I felt that it's time for me to kind of put down A Course in Miracles and, and move on about uh, a year ago. And uh, that's been a great, uh, a great path for me. Although a lot of the things that I come across and are more and deeply grained in me now, 
show up quite frequently in A Course in Miracles, too. Like, ah, okay, they're, you know, they're, they're, again, same truth, just said in many different ways, uh, in many different cultures, uh, by many different uh, potential sources. Uh, so that's uh, that's been helpful. But other direct books, I tell you, practical book-wise, I think um, probably Peace Pilgrim uh, mm-hmm. was the one example of someone who's really lived it, really fully lived it. And that book I found extremely uh, motivating and helpful. Uh, Byron Katie's work, uh, yeah. I think, is extremely helpful. Uh, a lot of what Eckhart Tolle says about mindfulness and just being present in the moment, because that's really all that we have. Um, and everybody's at a different place. So follow your own intuition. Don't try to copy Lina or me or somebody else. Um, Absolutely. But, but the resources that I found, Michael Singer, Untethered Soul, uh, Journey Beyond Words, Brent Haskell, uh, was amazing for me. And now I am that with Nizar Gadada, uh and some of the Ramana Maharshi um, teachings. So, um, again, whatever gravitates toward you, whatever, whatever moves your soul, whatever lights you up and makes, makes you from the inside have realizations, have ahas, I think is what's, uh, what I would suggest people consider focusing on. Yeah, let, let's talk about the, uh, those ahas because uh, you know all of these books that you're speaking of, all of these teachers are sharing the experiences that they've had. That's why, as you said so beautifully, they're all pointers. Nobody can give us awareness. Nobody can give us enlightenment. Nobody can have us have an experience. But every single teacher of truth points to the exact same thing, which is you've got to come inside and have those own experiences yourself. So let's talk about some of those aha moments um, that you had, because I, I had ahas that had me realize that I, when I began to study about quantum physics, you know, the aha that I'm made of just energy, that, that there is really nothing solid about me that took me a while to digest and integrate. But once I had that realization, oh, yes, I am just energy. And so is everything else that allowed me to begin to accept the 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 truth of our oneness. So that's just one of example of one aha for me. Share a few examples of ahas that you have had that were realizations that you felt that have shifted how you perceive things. I've always been a little bit of a science nerd for whatever reason. Uh, and I think uh, some of these um, teachings that I was coming across helped me put some of those things in perspective, just as you mentioned on quantum physics. I've always understood that there was much more space. I mean, it's not even close uh, how much more space there is between particles than there are particles. But yet we see a solid object. And when we run into it, we hit something. That's solid. How is that? How is it that 99.9% of what's there scientifically is open space, <laughs> but yet that's what we hit. You know, that's so there's, there's something wrong with our perception of what we would call reality uh, in that. When we take a look at a flower that has a color, scientifically, that flower doesn't have that color. That flower has everything but that color reflects back what it's, what it does can't absorb. It's actually the antithesis of the, what, the actual color would be of the flower, but yet we say that has that color. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. So we kind of have this constructed world. Um, I mean, my, my aha was, wow, maybe we have this kind of dystopian constructed world that has its own kind of rules of engagement and language and everything that are all predicated on 
pretty much a, self, uh, a false scientific premise anyway. Um, and maybe there's something a lot deeper than that. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe some of this is somewhat of a mirage uh, that keeps us from really seeing through what's really there. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, the other thing that really helped me is understanding I'm not my mind. I'm not my brain. I'm not my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I can't mess up. It's impossible to mess up. Uh, there is no such thing as sin. There's, there's misunderstandings. There are missteps. And yes, if you get, if you have desires and you have fears, you are going to be in the world of karma that has cause and effect. And yes, you're going to have things that are very, very uncomfortable that happen to you, that people here in the world would call bad things happen to you. There's no such thing as a bad thing happening to you because in the world of karma, those things that cause you distress and suffering are needed because it's that suffering that gets to the certain point that drags you to the door of there's got to be something better than this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's kind of zero in on that because that is an important part of this journey that every single teacher of truth points to. We have to come into our mind and question what we believe. And those beliefs that we have accepted, uh, for example, that suffering is real, that suffering is part of life, uh, that kind of a belief is is one of those beliefs that we have to begin to question and see, is this really true? Like you said, there's got to be something better than that. Life cannot just be about suffering. Um, a big aha for me was when I began to realize the the cause and effect aspect of my mind as it pertained to my emotions, my feelings. Once I realized, let me plug in my computer, my juice is going down too. Uh, once I began to realize that there was a direct correlation between what I was thinking and what I was feeling, I began to realize, wait a second, clearly that thought that this shouldn't be the way that it is, or it should have been different, or he shouldn't have done this, or she should have done this, or I should have done this, or should have done this. Every single time I had a thought that was arguing with what was happening, I began to feel very uncomfortable. I began to feel the fear, the tightness, the density. And once I got that, that aha, that my thoughts caused how I feel, it totally shifted my, my journey. It sent me on a trajectory of questioning every single thought that I had. You know, you were talking about, about Byron Katie. I actually did not come across Byron Katie's work until after I had had this realization. But she offers such a simple four-step process of questioning, is this really true? I mean, I wish I would have found her book before I had my realization because it might have made my questioning a little smoother because she has a formula that is absolutely perfect. But in a way, I kind of came to my own formula, which was basically questioning the validity of that thought, just as I had to question the validity of the Bible, the validity of the Catholic way, the validity of, of this religion versus that religion. Who's right about God? Everybody talks about God. The validity of, is there one God? I didn't come to, to, the, to the total and complete acceptance of the one God until I came to realize that we're all energy and there cannot be more than one God because there's only one energy. 
Um, so that questioning our thinking is such an important part of this journey. Share a little bit about how was that process for you going through that inventory of what you believed and discovering that you were incorrect about so many of your beliefs because for me, being able to say that I'm wrong was very, very uncomfortable. I had a really hard time. My egoic sense of self had a really tough time saying I've been wrong, not only about this, but about just about everything in my my entire life. Give me some some of your uh, sure. experiences. Well, I've, I've always been one of those people that they call me encyclopedia brand. I'd look things up because I want to be right. I want to understand. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, was not the easiest thing in the world to just ask my wife for me to admit I was wrong about something. Uh, but I have come in the last few years to just a different, totally different perspective. And I don't really, there's, there's really about only one or two absolute truths that I hold for myself. Everything else is my, is my current understanding. Um, mm -hmm. And my current understanding can also always be deepened, uh, can, can always, can always, can always change. Uh, and just because my understanding is totally contrary to somebody else's understanding, doesn't mean that, that their understanding is not correct and right for them, that they're right or wrong or wrong in their right. Individual process as it relates to what's truth inherently for us. Uh, because the truth of no, in this world is, I mean, the world was flat 500 years ago. <laughs> you bled, you, you know, 100 years ago or 150 years ago, you cut, you cut people's wrist and bled them when they felt bad because you had to, you had to get all the bad stuff out of their veins, you know. Um, so, uh, because that's the way that it worked. You could shut the windows, by God, so you couldn't let that bacteria come in and somehow get you, you know, fresh air was just full of all that bad stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that was... That was something that's really, really helped me. And there's a Course in Miracles phrase that goes, I don't know what anything is for. Um, and I take that a little bit farther in, in just saying, I, I really don't know anything. And as a matter of fact, I'm very leery of people that say they know a lot because my sense is that, um, that that's... That's that's the ego involved and uh, getting involved. They they can they can know it's they can share what's true about for themselves. But as far as making a proclamation, what's true for everybody else, uh, that's a you know I think that's a challenging place to be, and I'm not sure that really totally exists in my in in my belief. I'd say the other thing that's really helped me a lot though is uh, there's a guy by the name of Rick Archer that has a podcast called Buddha at the Gas Pump. Oh yeah, yeah, um, that's really great. Love love that. And yet, because I, I, I don't want to claim, uh, you know, claim uh, this this saying at all, because it's really his. He goes, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, that are spiritually awakened, and you know, some of them really behave badly. <laughs> uh, and so he goes, you know, I think this process of of waking up is kind of like you wake up, then you have to grow up, then you have to clean up. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because. Uh, Joe Dispenza has a great book out there. I think it's fantastic. It's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Yeah. And basically from the time that we're born till we're 16, we're learning how to react to things uh, in life. And by the time we get to 16, 95% of everything we do is autonomous. We don't think about it 
even though the first time it happened, we did. Uh, but it's happened so many times that now it just has become ingrained in us. So we're, we don't know, we can't see, but we can't sense. Even though we may be doing something that's offending a lot of other people, we can't see it for ourselves. We're not mm -hmm. seeing ourselves in the mirror. So I think a good part of the spiritual path once you wake up is now let's go about breaking the habits uh, that you develop all these years that 95% are autonomous and you have to kind of root those out, find those, have fun along the way. Don't take it too seriously. Laugh at yourself, uh, make it a journey um, and one that you can uh, enjoy. And just, just laughing at yourself, uh, not others, but la laughing at yourself, having a sense of humor, I think is a great, uh, is a great tool. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I so completely relate with what you're saying. And that is, hold on. <laughs> oh, excuse oh, me. Bless. Thank you. Um, but one of the things that that has been so amazing to watch because I've been coaching now for 12, 13 years is is exactly that process where we begin to move down this spiritual path and we begin to to experience truths and realizations and everything feels so different and and actually feels very blissful and very wonderful, very liberating. In, in a way, you feel like you came home and then the egoic mind takes all these beautiful truths and then it creates a personality, a spiritual personality, which to me is no different than a, a religious personality. Um, only, you know, we say more nice things like everything is is illusion. It's not real. And, and we we spice it up with these spiritual words that give permission for a lot of bad behavior. And I know that I felt I fell into that, but I haven't met anybody that hasn't, whether it's people that I've worked with or people that I've read about. It's, it's almost like we have to go through this process of filling up our mind with new information that makes us feel that we're better than. But then the maturing process of this journey is the undoing of that spiritual sense of superiorness um, or for some people, spiritual sense of inferiorness. Those who think that they've discovered the truth and and they're not they're not worthy enough to to speak of it or 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 experience it or share it or whatever so that process of undoing that spiritual knowledge is also so necessary until we get to that place of emptying out i know for me that is definitely um part of the journey and the emptying continues and is necessary and and it is very painful again uh, admitting that we thought that we were better than or lesser than and admit, admitting that we thought um i know for me being a spiritual teacher and i use that word loosely because um i can't teach anybody truth like everything, like the Course of Miracles says, all I can do is help people look at the blocks to it. I, I help them question their thoughts. It's this the best that I can do and keep reminding them that that there is a place that they can come to if they keep going through the questioning process, because really this the, the truth, the emptying process is a process of removal. It's excavating and removing what does not belong. But share a little bit about what does your life look like now? What has changed in terms of how you experience life with the awarenesses that you have gleaned, with the work that you have done and the processing and the undoing, the emptying that has taken place? Paint a picture of life before and after these realizations, this, this process of excavation. 
Well, outside of the, uh, the, the business challenge that I had between 2008 and 2012, you know, I was one of the, you know, and my wife and my family, the lucky sperm club. I mean, right, right family, upper middle class, never wanted for anything, good education, plenty of money, um, know how to manifest gold, no problem manifesting. Well, I can set goals and achieve those goals. But, you know, those don't give you peace. So the one thing I found is, I mean, I was a master goal setter. And the challenge with that is you can get hooked on that. The problem is the only way to keep it going is to set the next goal and then to set the next goal and then to set the next goal because then that's your adrenaline. Uh, that's kind of what you get hooked on. And uh, now I have really no goals. <laughs> I let life unfold. I've totally dropped my expectations of myself and others and what life, how life should be unfolding for me. Because whatever shows up is what's supposed to show up. And for me, I just try to hold myself in the space of, first of all, being totally present. Excuse me there. And, um, and secondly, just loving what is. So now what is sometimes can be very uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, uh, what is can actually be painful. That's different than suffering, uh, just yeah. whether it's physical pain. But guess what? I've got peace. I'm still peaceful when that happens. There's other things that uh, have occurred in the last couple of years, particularly in the last year, that 10 years ago I'd have been upset, awake at night, um, ruminating uh, over and over and over that great, you know, hamster wheel in the in between the years going. And now when those same thing, when some similar things come up, it's like, that was, you know, supposed to be for some reason, not sure why, but you know, that's great. It's fine. You know, um, I'm open to whatever it is and, uh, and just rolling up my hands and, and dealing with what's there with, uh, with patience. So it's, it's a totally different, um, you know, I would have to say it's drop, dropping desires. And before it really mattered to me who I was around, I was you know, played with certain guys in the country club with golf and wanted to go out and socialize with them and be invited on their golf trips. I could care less now. Matter of fact, more often than not, I would turn them down because really that's just not my priority. I've gravitated toward things that give me joy. Mm -hmm. Found bike riding again. I loved bike riding when I was a kid. I went on a vacation uh, overseas and uh, have done a lot more of it since then. So I gravitate toward things that just give me joy, give me peace, uh, that uh, do a fair amount of time meditating and contemplating uh, just to kind of see and be shown and listen to that inner wisdom. And different things bubble up uh, from time to time that I find extremely, extremely helpful. But it's really kind of listening to that that inner guide, which all of us have. It's yeah. just, we've, we've shouted. It's, mm -hmm. it's that quiet, still voice uh, that can be heard once we kind of shut up. Uh, and I, <laughs> I was not very good about shutting up because, boy, I knew a lot. <laughs> Me too. I so, so can relate to what you're saying, but you know what you're talking about right now is for, for lack of, of linearizing this journey, because, you know, once you start creating steps, it, it does send the ego into thinking, you know, in this way. But but there is a process. Of course, in Miracles teaches, you know, that the six stages that we're going to go through in, in developing trust and truth. Um, 
I, for me, ha have found that those six stages are absolutely in correlation with the teachings that I've been given to share. Um, so there is a level of, of, of understanding linearly the process that we're going to go through. And what you're talking about right now, where we get to the place that we find that inner peace inside and the outside world no longer has power over us, that's the least favorite part of the ego because it, it is a place where we have to be trained. Our mind has to be trained to, to realize that there's nothing to want for, to come inside and wait for, for that impulse to move you is, is just not what the ego wants to do. So when conversations like this about not having goals and allowing life to move you from within I know has has made some people very upset in my circle, especially people who might want to help me that have worked for me, be it marketing people or, or whatever, because they wanted to have plans. And how do we market this? How do we do this? And and I was like, well, I'm not inspired to to write a newsletter this week. I, I don't feel the impulse. Well, what do you mean you don't feel the impulse? You're supposed to write a letter or you're supposed to do this, that or the other. And that letting go of what the mind thinks we're supposed to do has been for me transformational. And it took me quite a while to get comfortable with coming inside and waiting for inspiration to guide me. And now there's no shortage of inspiration because it's it, my, my mind is so quiet that I can feel that movement of, of something that wants to be expressed through me. So it, it's very effortless now, mm -hmm. but how, how is it for the people that you work with? Because you still have a thriving business. How is it for the people that you work with? How are uh, how are they dealing with the 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 Ron that is that has shifted? You know the the lack of the Ron that they knew and the the essence of you that is emerging. How has that shown up in the work area? I've got to follow up to that one, but let me start that's, there. That, that's a great question. But before I answer that question, there's a you, what you were talking about, uh, not uh, moving until you feel it. There's a great scene in a movie. I've covered the name of the movie, but Jennifer Lopez is a dance teacher and Richard Gere is her student. And he's just fighting there on the dance. He's, she's trying to teach him. He's trying to learn at night. And he's just getting all the steps wrong. He's just not feeling. She finally just grabs him and, and holds him tight. She goes, don't move. Don't move until you feel something. Mm. Then move. Because he was just doing it all mechanical. Um, and I think that's just a great uh, example or, or um, vignette of what you just got through talking about. You know, work has been very, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, I am not... When I say I don't have, I don't have any goals set. I'd say I kind of have very broad parameters. It's kind of like, okay, here are the things that we're good at, and here's the things that we're going to do. It'd be nice if it led to this, but if it doesn't, that's fine. We're going to try to put our effort over in this area right now, but if that doesn't work out, that's fine. We'll see where else we need to adjust. Um, there are not, you know, there aren't specific targets that um, you know my staff has to hit. Um, that doesn't mean that 
uh, in any way I we don't have systems in place to make sure they do what they're supposed to do because that doesn't help them out uh, either. If someone's really not equipped to uh, be in a position here, that means they're meant to be someplace else, and I don't help them out at all uh, by uh, trying to work with someone who's clearly not cut out to do what we do here. And we've had we had let some people go in that regard, um, but I've always felt that that was that it would be cruel of me not to because they were meant to do something else. Uh, so I'd say it's, it's just a much more relaxed style. I'd say one of the biggest things, uh, again, movie wise, anyone seen the, the movie, um, was it autumn rush about the young kid, autistic kid. That hears oh music. yes. I think it is autumn rush. Yes. Oh, beautiful. movie. It's just, it's just the way that life flows. Yeah. flows now. I don't force it. I don't try to make this huge to-do list and get frantic. I mean, you know, hitting the, hitting the door, running, multitasking, doing all of that. I just kind of yeah. let things come. That is, that is just such a beautiful place. Yeah. Oh, I me? think, oh, I think I lost you there. So repeat the last part. I thought you had uh, completed. I'm going, to, I'm going, I'm going to have to reconnect because you can't hear me. Can you? Now I can. Now I can. So to say things just flow. Yeah. Yes. And, and it is such a. Oh, I lost you again. No, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Okay. Oh, it's just been a beautiful day of, of technological difficulties and we are just flowing with it. You know, that that is what happens when you reach a place within you that you get comfortable and you no longer are concerned about what people think and how things need to be. It's so effortless to just let things happen, whether it's the technology or the weather or, you know, health issues, whatever, whatever comes, if you accept it, you can be present to deal with it, however it shows up. But the beautiful part about it, as I know it is for Ron, as it is for me, you know, we're at peace with it. If, if he's not, he wasn't supposed to be heard in that moment, he wasn't supposed to be heard. If we weren't supposed to start on time, we weren't supposed to start on time. And that level of peace to flow with life is one of the gifts that this journey brings us to. And I had mentioned to you, Ron, um, I'm so glad that you were able to come back, that I had a follow-up to, to that comment about being able to flow at work. Um, how has your personal life changed because you shared a little bit of it with the work because in, in the world sure. that we are in and work, we have goals. We're supposed to use our mind as a tool in service to completing things, you know, otherwise there'd be chaos. Um, and, and yes, being able to surround ourselves with people who, who understand that it can work within that is really powerful, but how has your life changed as you have become more aligned with that energy that moves you, that that whatever you want to call it, and if you want to share what you call it, that'd be wonderful. But when you align with that flow of life, what does your life look like now, just from the general perspective of just life in general? You know, I'd say that outside of work, it was a little more challenging because I was always a very go, go, go kind of person, you know, uh, before I was even married, you know, if, if I had a day, you know, didn't have a day at work, I'd be playing tennis in the morning, golf in the afternoon, basketball in the evening, you know, just go, go. I measured myself by what I could accomplish athletically or otherwise. Uh, and sitting, sitting still and doing nothing. That was like, 
that was that was that was that was really boring. That was very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem sitting in front of a TV and watching sports all afternoon, uh, all Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon uh, at all. So kind of breaking some of those habit patterns and substituting other things uh, has been fantastic. Thinking outside the box. I mean, I highly recommend thinking outside the box. I had a hard time. I, I felt like I needed to get up real early in the morning to be able to do what I needed to do first before everybody else got up. So I knew that just worked best for me. I had a hard time doing it until I just said, look, I make an appointment with myself at Starbucks at 5.30 every morning. I would go. Now, why couldn't I do that at my house? Why? <laughs> Don't ask me. But it worked. And then after six or seven months of Starbucks, I, I could easily transition it, you know, to the house. Um, so, you know, just funny little things like that, just uh, trying to reform, you know, reform habits. So, you know, now, now on the weekends, I'd say it's just, again, just going with the flow of what needs to be done you know, done around the house. Uh, when I have quiet time, it's a great time to go for a long walk, go for a long bike ride, uh, uh, read, contemplate, uh, meditate, go to the movies with, with family, uh, you know, go to dinner. It doesn't preclude and change family activities. Um, maybe I'm not watching as much TV with them as I used to, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> well, the... The technological difficulties continue. This is just so absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> so going with the flow, this is this is exactly what we were talking about. I'm sending him a text that we totally lost him. Um, but anyways, it, it is. It's amazing. Once we begin to empty our minds of what we have to do, how it's supposed to be done, emptying our minds of caring what other people think or needing to be seen in a certain way. It's just part of the freedom that comes that allows us to just flow with whatever is happening. So now you're back. So we're flowing with having you back. <laughs> yeah, don't know what's going on. That's all right. That in and out. Retrograde, so, uh, in, in and out. It, it reminds me of my, um, my, my state of awakening. It, it was in and out, in and out, in and out until I made peace with that. It, it just, you know, I'm, I'm a line and I get out. I align and I get out. But tell me, what, what do you call, do you have a name? Um, I know lit names limit things, but what, what, how do you refer to this God that you grew up with in Christianity now that you have discovered that there is, um, that there is more than you had been aware of? Do you have a, 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 a way that you name the essence that you now feel is, is what moves you? Um, that's a great question. I would say I don't have one name. I have multiple names that basically describe the same reality. Uh, I call it absolute source, God, uh, the I am, um, you know, I've, I've, for myself, the, 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 my, my truth is that God is, God is the space in the room that allows everything to happen and he'll allow everything to happen. Now, sometimes the things that we choose to happen have consequences. He, he didn't do anything about that. He just gave the space to do whatever he wanted to. He's always going to. You want to call it love and affirm 
uh, although I don't think God has those types of characteristics. He just is. He allows the sun to shine on the, um, the Bible says, as the, as, as the wicked and those who are not. Uh, he's not discerning in that way. He's just always there as a loving allowance. Um, you know, scientifically, people would call it the grid. Uh, you can call it many different types of things. Uh, but for me, I would call it a almost like an affectionate benevolence, uh, an affectionate beingness is how I personally feel it. And I think God is more of a feeling than a mental concept uh, for me. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And and for you, you kept referring it to he. So is it it's still that that masculine energy? It's word now where it's yeah. just he, she, it, <laughs> uh, source, neutral. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, just out of habit. That's just one of those habits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't think of it in a gender perspective uh, in any way at all. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever give it a gender, it's always a mixed gender. It is a mother father energy. So it is, it is something um, fascinating to feel enveloped by that kind of parental love. Um, but yes, it, it, it is genderless for me because it, it includes the energy of male, masculine and feminine, which are not genders are just energies that, that have a purpose, you know, that balance, um, balance everything out. So the last thing I wanted to um, to do, and, and thank you so much for being here with me in this really awesome conversation was uh, go ahead and leave folks with, with any kind of parting wisdom that you have gleaned on this journey that might help people align with whatever that source, God, universe, absolute reality is for them that um, we can just keep as a nugget, as a gift from you. We are all in search of, everybody is, because we're missing something. There's a part of us that's missing. So it doesn't matter what we accomplish, how much money we make, uh, how we're seen, how good we feel about ourselves in one moment, that's going to change because there's something missing. And most of us have gone in search of that something missing far out and away on vast travel, sometimes other parts of the world, someplace, other parts of the country, some parts of the state, definitely outside of the house. When in fact, if you go and you look in your own living room and you look at the corner of your painting and notice there's a little oddity there and you have someone come and take a look at it and unscrape it and there's the Picasso that's worth, you know, $50 million, $100 million. The treasure's right there. It's been in you, there at home, all the time. There's nothing for you to go and to find. It's for you to understand it's already you. It's already in you. We block it. We block it because of our habit of being ourselves, which is all based on, um, you know, on the ego. So, you know, if you are not fully at peace, um, and although you may be absolutely tied into what it is that you're doing, be open to trying something a little bit different because apparently you haven't reached your goal if your goal is to have total peace. Uh, so I just say be, be open, follow your own inner guide. Um, don't call anything crazy. Uh, you know, just honor, honor 
where other people are or how you how you're perceiving them. Everyone's doing the best they can with what they have, with where they're at. The worst atrocities in the world were still committed by people doing what was thought what they thought was best based on where they were. Now they were horribly mistaken about their placement uh, and choice of love, but if it didn't change inherently who they are. They're just making horrible choices, horrible decisions uh, in search of the same thing. So as you know, as people go into themselves and are quiet and listen, you know, and when you're when you're breathing, take a take take a few a few times per day when you breathe and the, the space between the top of your breath and the bottom of the breath, just be still. See if you can actually make your mind be still. Can you? Because the mind is the ego. The mind is the ego. That is our challenge. And actually being out of our mind is where we really want to be because the mind is not who I am and I can ignore my mind. Uh, so... Um, there, there are so many things I, I, I could share depending on where someone, someone is, is at right now because I've been on different places of the journey and I've got many other places to go in my journey. But if there was anything I would, I would leave from you is that you have the ability to have peace. There's a lot of things that we think that are real out there that I've discovered really aren't real. And it wasn't until I was willing to be open to that possibility that... I was able to discover this to be true. And not only just from a, you know, I got this feeling it wasn't true. I can show you from scientific facts now uh, that others have shown that a number of things that we believe to be true just really aren't true. So it's not just this woo-woo type of thing. There's a lot of substance and everything to it. But innately, it's where, uh, you know, where your path, where you want to go. Don't let anybody uh, tell you what that should be. Uh, No one has these spiritual authorities. Authority, um, and respect where you're at, but also understand that doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting the same result, as we well know, is defined as insanity, and most of us have been insane. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a beautiful thing in, in this amazing journey is finding out how crazy I was, how insane I was, how complicated um, everything had become. I'm so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for taking the time to be with me. I'm just going to mention real quickly that next week for the Align with Lina interview, I have Rainy Suggs, who is an amazing woman. She's a single mom who has gone through an incredible transformation and was so determined to go into the depths of her pain to to find the ability to forgive some things that the world would call unforgivable that had been done to her and she found her her courage she she found the willingness to go inside and forgive and heal and now she is just a powerhouse helping other people become inspired to enter into that journey then the week after that i have jen moff who i've not met and she was introduced to me by another friend who thought that she'd be a, a wonderful person for me to interview She's gone through her own spiritual uh, shift. And the way she likes to help people is through um, as being a life coach that helps people in the corporate arena connect to wellness, connect to that part inside of them 
uh, through the corporate place, which is wonderful because there are, we, you know, those of us who begin this journey of, of aligning with the truth of who we are, we're going to end up serving wherever life wants us to serve. And Jen serves through the corporate arena. And I am going to uh, be using my Course in Miracles class starting in April as a conversation, bringing back the book that Ron and I were talking about earlier, The Disappearance of the Universe. And this book is about the Course in Miracles. Now, it is absolutely very woo-woo, very out there. And it does talk about the disappearance of what we had previously perceived to be real. So I will be posting more information on that, the date that we will start in April. I am thinking we will probably start at April the 9th because I do the Course in Miracles at Unity on Tuesday night. So I hope you, some of you that enjoy Course in Miracles, that enjoy these conversations, make it curious and come and want to hear more about the disappearance of the universe. So thank you, Ron. And thank you to all of you who made comments and participated and have been hanging in there with us. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. And, and just remember, we, life is meant to be fun and easy once we come to the truth. And it is a journey. So take your time enjoying the journey because the final destination, it, there isn't one. Um, unless you call peace the final destination. But then when you are uh, you come into that place of peace, then it's just about enjoying what is, which is infinite. It will not end. Thanks a bunch. And thank you so much, Ron. I appreciate you My being pleasure. here with me. My pleasure. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Y'all have a magnificent day. Bye-bye. Take care.